0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films, with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse.
1: Today on Tap, we have Annabelle Creation, starring Stephanie Sigmund, Talitha Bateman, Anthony LaPaglia, and Miranda Otto. Written by Gary Doberman and directed by David F. Sandberg. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to continue on with our Conjuring Universe cask. We may as well call it the Haunted Vessel cask. It's just haunted objects <laughs> in this universe uh, bringing forth evil into the world. Well, we're going to be looking at Annabelle Creation from 2017. This is the prequel to the Annabelle film uh, that was teased in the first Conjuring film. It was such a tease they had to make a movie of it. And then that was such so widely accepted, I guess, that we had to know the origins of it. Uh, this takes place second in the official timeline, uh, 1955. Uh, and then there's another film that was made after this one, but it takes place post-Annabelle. So if you're confused already, good. Bring a notepad. Bring a drink. We're having some more of the Old Elk small batch sour mash whiskey. And as we always start out, let's give it
0: some cheers. 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 Mm. It's Excellent. Been good for a couple weeks in a row, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know, we
1: had a little bit of hunted lighting while we were watching this thing. The sun would part behind a, a cloud right when it
0: would get dark in the movie, and it would be like, doo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> Perfect moment. Scary moment in the film, and it got overcast. You could even see the shadows through the windows. <laughs> so Jesse and I conducted a quick exorcism and got back to the show. All right. Here we go. Excellent. I love it. Uh, well, let's get started with our flight question.
1: All righty, Matt, let's get right down to it. Annabelle Creation, the Annabelle-ish franchise, which is a sub-franchise within The Conjuring franchise, is a spinoff. It's a spinoff film. Uh, So I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, tell the question, but it's kind of built all around that idea.
0: Yeah, so any source material you can choose. It doesn't matter if it's film, magazine, music, poetry. No one really likes poetry, so I can't imagine we're going that way, uh, unless you're going to do Annabelle Lee. (laughs) See how I did that? Yeah. Um some adaptation from an original source material that's not necessarily based upon the character that the original source material was from. Okay. So you've got quite a swatch here, and I want you to give me one good and one bad. You want to go bad first? You want to go good first? Let's go good first. Okay. I'll let you go first. <laughs> first. All right. Ex- I'll let you go first first. Excellent. Uh, I tried to mostly stick
1: with with films, and yeah. th- there's been a lot of, you know, spinoffs from successful franchises, you know, Fast and the Furious, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the franchise I'm picking or the spinoff I'm picking, I actually think is better than it's where it started and then the sequel to that one. But this is the spinoff. I gotta go Lego Batman, the Lego Batman movie. About that? I know a lot of people really like the first Lego movie, Chris Pratt, you know, Elizabeth Banks, and and everyone that voices it's entirely unique in its own right. But the Batman character in that almost steals that movie. Mm-hmm. Will Arnett, so he gets his own movie. And if you're a Batman fan like I am, there's so many Easter eggs and nuggets and Condiment King and egg. I mean, it's it's so much fun to the point where there's the the charity banquet and they're singing "Man in a Mirror," which is the quote that opens up the movie by Michael Jackson oh, wow. and the boys is going, Shamon, on, <laughs> <Shum> on." <laughs> it's a joke that it just. There's some good stuff in there, so that's the one I'm gonna pick. Um, that's a good a choice. bit of an interesting, uh, yeah, a bit of an interesting kind of departure whoever thought they would make Lego movies with like the Lego universe and, and whatnot. But what works good about that one too, is they're able to pull from the Warner brothers universe later with Voldemort and King Kong and uh Daleks from Dr. Who and, you know, Kryptonians like they're able to do like a multiverse thing within their own universe, which is pretty interesting. And they're Lego characters still.
0: Yeah. Having the proprietary rights allows you to, Flesh it out with plenty of Easter eggs and a lot of fun in there. That's a good choice. I didn't think you were going to go with that one at all. I never even thought about it.
1: One more joke from that movie that I absolutely love. They keep grilling uh, the Joker, who's masterfully voiced by Zach Galifianakis in that movie. Uh, they said, "Is this going to? Is this a better plan than the the parade with the Prince music?" He's like, "This is better than that." He's like, "What about the thing with the two boats? This is better than that." <laughs> <laughs> so again, if you've seen all the movies, you are going to get all those little in jokes
0: there. So that's good. Mm-hmm. What are you going with? This is a little bit of a cheat, okay, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's from a director that I imagine there's a likelihood this might come up again in the show today. Okay. And it's something that you didn't know was a spinoff until literally the last 25 seconds of the film. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Split. Yes. (laughs) I kicked the tires on Creed, too, but that just seemed so obvious. Split's a good choice. So we're going to go with Split. We did a whole show on that. I'm not going to rehash it. Um, I mean, the
1: final scene itself is great. The movie itself is also really good. So
0: It's kind of a sequel, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but it's a sequel that only involves the main character, which would be David Dunn, mm-hmm. for a matter of moments. So, yes, technically it's unbreakable, too, but mostly it's the story of the Horde and an experiment watching that brilliant performance by James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. That is something that... Yeah, has been missed by so many people, and what that is and isn't, and what Eastrail 177 should have been and never did quite achieve. But through no fault of James McAvoy, as his first job as the Horde split. Good choice, thanks.
1: I didn't even consider that, but it's totally a spinoff. Like and yeah. until and then, in the end, is when it all comes together. Right. Only to be pissed away in the very next movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the frustrations around that, huh?
1: Do you have nightmares? Uh, do they keep you up at night in a cold sweat of t- uh, two feet puddles of water?
0: Yeah, where <laughs> you should just instead of drowning, just take a big gulp and you're okay. Just drink it. So stupid. So <laughs> stupid.
1: <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, that was
0: a long time ago. Did I ever show you the tattoo of the the clover on my wrist, though? <laughs> uh, part of the secret society. The sted, the the, yeah, St- the what's,
1: what's 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 Sarah Paulson? Mm-hmm. Yes, her, her secret serpent society. Yeah, excellent. There was a lot of bad ones to pick from in my research. Oh, boy. Uh, The one I'm going to go with. It's almost unwatchable. It shouldn't exist. Uh, only this show could potentially make this sequel uh, matter. I have to go the next Karate Kid with Hillary Swain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The... Uh... <laughs> Once yeah. Ralph Macchio bails and it's only Nuri, uh, Nurioki Pat Morita uh, as Miyagi, oh, you know you've kind of you know overstayed your welcome. And, and he's the, arguably the best part of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. But there was just nothing left. This reheated second version and it's bad it's pretty bad only Cobra Kai could bring Hillary's that character back and find a way to like make it interesting so
0: supposedly she's back
1: I'll leave in it season four I'll leave it up to them to see where that goes but that's my entry the franchise should have honestly ended after part two because Karate Kid 3 isn't that great either no
0: yeah even two's not very good either eh, two has its moments but uh,
1: they're all writing the coattails of number one
0: <laughs> yeah good choice mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with get him to the Greek God, what that could have oh, been. Yeah. And what it was actually supposed to be. The original draft is Alda Snow and Matt from Sarah Marshall and their story. The Jonah Hill character. Yeah. And it kind of is that, but it's mostly not. Well, the big problem is he's playing a new character. Right. Why can't it just be the same person? <laughs> and there's a lot of stories about what happened in the rewrite and how that changed to what we saw on the screen versus what it was originally spec as. And from the research that I've done, the spec was quite funny and really well done. And everybody seemed to like it. But the sticking point was they were afraid that not enough people would know who those two characters were. So instead, they just sold it on Alda Snow, um, the actor. Yeah. Instead of this is some of the best parts of Sarah Marshall mm-hmm. continued off on their own. I just went on living my life. <laughs> Just take the battery out. Huge miss. Yeah. Huge miss. Infant sorrow could have been so fun. You've talked about
1: that one a lot. Uh, Both uh, Sarah Marshall, the film, but then also the disappointment of uh, that particular. I didn't even consider that one either. It's a total, total spinoff from that franchise. Uh, We should do a cask one of these days as we have many
0: casks in development (laughs) as we speak. Yeah. Pre-production hell.
1: Yes. Uh, a cask about just totally forgotten movies because mm-hmm. Get Him to the Greek to me is just like I saw it when it came out. I could tell you next to nothing about what happened in it, mm-hmm. and nobody talks about it. It's yeah. just erased from existence. Like, and there's a lot of movies like that. Yeah, It'd be nice to kind of get into some of those and
0: just kind of see why. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be. Um, a cask that we'd have to put a lot of work into because trying to find three of the most forgotten <laughs> films would be real tough. That wasn't rot gut. So you know what I mean? There's a difference between forgotten and rot gut.
1: Well, I would, it would be fun to find some movies that like actually made a buck, like maybe mm-hmm. like some decent money that just are, aren't are on people's radar. No one's rewatching them on Netflix. No one's throwing them on for movie night. They're just in the ethers.
0: <laughs> well, maybe there's an entry there for Event Horizon. Yeah or maybe not. Yeah. I don't well, know. I feel like people talk about that more now than it than back then. Well, you've got my
1: mind spinning. Yeah. We'll come up with something for later down the road, but great choices. I mean, Here's two. you know, I thought about, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, TV has is built entirely on spin-offs, so uh, Fraser from Cheers and, you know, all that kind of that's actually a pretty successful mm-hmm. Cheers lasted I think 11 seasons. And Fraser lasted eleven seasons as wow, well. Really, That's a pretty. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer had a good career there mm-hmm. uh, with those characters. So, but I tried to kind of stick with film with uh, just kind of some interesting choices. Anything else kind of pop up on your radar?
0: No, but if I had a dream, it would be a continuation of High Fidelity, oh, and yeah. what I want is Dick and Barry to open up their own used record store or okay. take over um whatever the hell the name john sex uh store is in that um vintage vinyl or i forget what the name of it is yeah he can go run off and be happy and grow up and make mixtapes for his wife but i want the barry and dick character just to let's just mall rats that out
1: okay
0: I, I, i'd go check that out could you imagine that in kevin smith's hands yeah oh my gosh that could be good <laughs> speaking of forgettable <laughs> films speaking Kevin of Smith, yeah speaking of other forgettable things uh,
1: uh, an honorable mention to me they yeah. did make sequels for this they were all direct to DVD when they came out in the early 2000s but I think a proper uh, spinoff of the Frog Brothers from Lost Boys could be pretty cool they did
0: yeah That's, they made did it was it the Corey's in those uh, well Corey
1: Haim I think had maybe already passed it was at least Corey Feldman and then uh, Jameson Freelander I think is the other one's name And he shows up in one, but it's Lost Boys the Thirst and Lost Boys the Tribe. They're terrible. Uh, Like like a, a legit treatment on the Frog Brothers continuing on from the original film, I think, could be a lot
0: of fun. That's one that keeps coming up from time to time, too. The Lost Boys? We got to do our vampire cask sooner yeah. or later. I'll have to bring my saxophone for that one. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll excellent.
1: Bring- Great choices. Uh I cheers, I cheers those options. <clears throat> As do I. We'll re- revisit some of those uh, here in a little bit, but let's get to our review breakdown of Annabelle Creation. Damn it! Ugh. Language. <sighs> There's a car coming. Why don't I wave it down and see if we can get some help? No, no,
0: no, no. I got it. I'll get it!
1: Pretty brutal opening, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, talk about wanting to set the stage. Right from the get go, I think this film has some goals just kind of laid out, being that it is a prequel. I mean, we got to explain with a title like Annabelle Creation. I mean, we need to find out why this doll's evil. So, I think one of the goals of this film is to establish the onset and the beginning of evil. And we do get that, whether or not it works for us or not, they do accomplish that. But it's all derived from this little kind of opening scene. I mean these these scenes, I mean, it's it reminds me a lot of hereditary. I mean, just those oh, yeah. sudden death moments that The dollhouse. The filmmakers just uh they, they trick you into a sense of like security and then like at the last possible second it goes as awry as it possibly can. I mean, that's a staple of horde there. I mean, they're playing with some
0: some pretty good material there. Can I sour mash this beginning for a minute? Mm-hmm. So for those of you that haven't seen it, we're going to come upon a family in the mid-50s. The Mullins. The Mullins that I think essentially put food on their table by the sale of toy dolls. Mm-hmm. Here's the first thing that I'd like to bring up. I think there are three really iconic images in film, and The Conjuring has used all of them to varying degrees of success. <laughs> uh, maybe not one of them. And they are standard tropes that we like to see because they're scary. Mm-hmm. The first one is the clown. Mm-hmm. Okay, it say enough about that. <laughs> that movie works where it works when we see Pennywise a little bit, yeah, not, not enough that we never see him, but not so much that he becomes exact, just wallpaper. Exactly. The second one is anything having to do with puppet slash doll. Mm-hmm. Check. Yeah. And the third is anything having to do with a non secular element, like nun, priest. Mm-hmm. Those three things bastardized by the forces of demonic evil. Present a nice playing field for horror. Okay. We have a doll maker. The trick on this with Annabelle is we want to see her in the hideous state that she shows up in The Conjuring with the ashen look and the dark skin and kind of that green hue to it. Mm -hmm. We want to see her as just doll. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the things that can be very effective is if Annabelle starts off as quite lovely, Mm -hmm. and then as the thing progresses, it becomes more hideous. It really never is. Her color's going to change from wood, brown wood with a lacquer on it, to the green that we get later, to whatever the hell it is in The Conjuring. But at the beginning of this film when we are exploring the recesses of Anthony LaPaglia's Geppetto-like workshop, right? <laughs> Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> Making his version of Pinocchio, but instead of a nose, it's just <laughs> demons. He looks like Geppetto. <laughs> kind of, right? It's creepy enough because it's just arms and eyes and these inanimate objects and the size of Annabelle is really important. Like a three-foot doll. Three-foot doll. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting to the Sour Mash. Hang with me for just a minute.
1: I'm rolling with it.
0: We come out of church, and we have one of the parishioners meeting Mr. Mullins outside in the parking lot saying, hey, are the dolls ready? I've got a bunch of customers. Yes. They'll be there tomorrow. We're going to drop them off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think I know where you're going with this. When they drop them off the next day, yeah. What needs to happen is, one of like immediately they get dropped off and they have a few minutes of discussion with the toy shop owner or whoever's distributing those dolls, and then immediately a couple of them get purchased. One of them being purchased is Annabelle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. And in the parking lot, whoever has just bought the doll. Yeah. Drops it or it falls out of the case as they're backing out. And that's when they hit the daughter. It's mm, pretty good. That's one up because then there is tragedy and regret and maybe something to that doll that we're never going to get to in this film. We never get why this thing chose Annabelle out of all these dolls and why they chose this family in the middle of nowhere. hmm. That's one option, or the other one. If you don't want to do that, well, is,
1: they do kind of answer that. I mean, it was kind of from the parents.
0: I'll let you break that down for yeah, me we'll, when we get there, because I missed that. Yeah,
1: we'll break that down later. I'm not saying that it necessarily works, but there is kind of the explanation. There's the expository dump
0: right at the beginning of Act Three. But go, go ahead. Okay. Well, no, no, like from the mom. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get that, but like, why? Okay, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Grief. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Or the other part of that is when the car tire blows, this is on the way home from church in the film mm-hmm. and they have to change it. And then the bolt rolls in the street and the living girl, Annabelle runs out and gets hit by the car. There needs to not be anyone behind the wheel of the truck that hits her. Mm-hmm. So bam, she gets plowed. Yeah. Ah, screams Anthony little Mr. Mullins freaks out. You son of a bitch runs up, pulls the car open and there's nothing in there. Mm. Then there's a force of demonic planning or a larger goal and play that for some reason chose this family and why they chose to go after the girl Annabelle. Because right now in this film, it's just kind of like, yeah, wrong place, wrong time.
1: Yeah, that's definitely what it seems like.
0: And that's kind of weak for me. Yeah. Okay, so those are two sour mash pieces. But back to what you said or played in the sound, Mm -hmm. it's a rough beginning because that little girl's likable and they seem like they have a pretty happy family. And we're seven minutes into the film, and she's gone. Yeah. Smashed. Yeah, to a
1: nothing. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely brutal. Uh, I think the happenstance aspect maybe works a little bit for me more here at the beginning because the rest of the movie gets so supernatural. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess as opposed to last week where, based on a true story, man, we're like so in the weeds with... The Warrens like here, like I'm willing to kind of like roll with some of this because like they're not trying to sell that this this really happened. Okay, this sure. is how this is how the doll was like really really made, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think we're in a realm of fiction now that I'm entirely comfortable with. But I do like some of your choices. I'll kind of add another one in there. It would almost be kind of interesting because do you kind of get the impression that the Annabelle doll is modeled after the little girl? Yes. Maybe that's a change after the death. You know what I mean? That like the ones he's making in the shop have like brunette hair and they look don't look like the daughter. And then after her passing as a way of to grieve, he
0: models it after the likeness of his past daughter. So I think you and I are both addressing the same thing here. Yes, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. We see a marked change in pre-Annabelle death versus post-Annabelle death and the production of these dolls. Yes, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to find and I like we're going to get the expositioned up and get into that. I'm struggling to find any reason in this why this demonic force happened to be there at that particular place mm-hmm. and choose this little girl and the doll as the conduit and I I think the connection between all three of those the little girl who's now dead Annabelle mm-hmm. the doll and the demon who chose to jump in at this particular time. Is pretty shark jumpy for me. Well, my interpretation is this: opening scene
1: is an accident. Mm-hmm. Their grief, and they they willingly, through the powers of God and mm-hmm. whatever, uh, they bring forth this presence, this spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not a Ouija board this time. It's just whatever. Yeah. It's their grief. So th- that's kind of that's kind of my uh, machinations on the happenings of 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 what's going on.
0: I'm with you there, but.
1: Uh, Yeah, it is. uh, It is. It is a bit of uh, of a buy in. And at the end of the day, I have to keep telling myself, I mean, this is a movie about a a doll. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then we're playing in a space where we really have to do almost extra work, because as I told you, when the film ended, I'm glad these movies haven't gone into the realm where this doll's literally like walking around like Chucky and like and talking and you know what I mean? It's always very stoic. In the corners, and it's effective because I think the design of the doll itself is actually pretty good, yeah. um, Better than the Raggedy Ann doll that it's actually based from, so they have that working for it. Uh, but uh, they have to find a different kind of evil to play with because the doll's not going to do that. It's got to be some other ethereal form of evil, a uh, specter, a uh, ghoul, or anything. But uh, it's interesting. No, I like I like some of your uh,
0: some of your changes. Does the doll end up being the entity that houses this demonic possession when it chooses not to be in the spirit of the deceased, real Annabelle? So sometimes it's, it's Annabelle's like human spirit. Sometimes it's doll Annabelle and it just, I don't know why you're going to need both. I get, I know why for the movie, Mm -hmm. but if you've chosen to go into the little girl or come back as the little girl, I don't know why I struggled the whole time waiting for them to say, and this is why this particular doll is so important. I know the spirit houses itself in that doll. But wonder if
1: it, I wonder if it's the one that she died because she was holding one of the dolls when she was hit by the car too. I wonder. But they don't really go explain that. That's just an assumption. Yeah, she was holding a smaller doll. You're right. But the, the film essentially becomes child's play where it, yeah. it becomes, here's this evil doll. In order for me to assume human form again, you need to find me a soul. Yeah, And that's that's what happens in Chucky. You know, trying to find Andy Barkley's uh, little soul here. But as the film progresses, twelve years later, we do a significant time jump, and then this family is kind of ready to open up the doors to uh, uh, an orphanage, a school for wayward way, way, wayward girls. What is that from Deadpool? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so this is kind of you know the the primary cast, and and uh, you know not, not envious. You know what I mean? Like I I've always said if I was ever fortunate enough to make a movie, like I probably would avoid uh, using kids and. For the most part in this film, you know, I think they're serviceable. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're I don't think they're overly terrible. Uh, and a lot of the film kind of rests on how they react to things and kind of that space of being frightened. And that's a hard movie to make. You know what I mean? Like, working with child actors to do that type of thing, is that, that ain't easy. So. No, right. Uh, but what do you think kind of just of our, of our location here? I mean, we mostly, God, compared to The Conjuring, We've kind of are only on this farm for the most thing. This is mm-hmm. almost a single location film. Um, yeah. I think an effective location, because it is so isolated, it's so rickety and old. There's the shed aspect. There's a derelict well, and then there's the house itself. So I think it's enough to surround ourselves with geography. And I think the director, Sandberg, who would go on you want to talk about how you pay your dues, you turn 15 million into 300 million and then you get to do Shazam. So that's what this guy got to do. So good for him. Uh, He does a good job. I think of just establishing the surroundings and the objects and the elements that will then you be used for the frights later. One of them's that, uh, the gremlins, uh, (laughs) uh, chair that's Mm -hmm. on the stairwell. I think that's a, a fairly unique object to use. Mm -hmm. And in the scene that it is used in talk about that here in a little bit, uh, I think that it's mostly pretty effective. That, that there were some moments in here that 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 really worked for me. What do you what do you just think of the setting? I mean, do you think this is good enough for like an Annabelle movie? Sure. For whatever an Annabelle movie needs to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some very rickety standalone farmhouse and the thing that struck me right away that had me really intrigued and they're not going to play it out to any significance in the movie <laughs> is as they approach mm-hmm. there's all of these dead trees except for the one that's in the front yard of the farm that the Mullins live in. Right now, because we're familiar with the conjuring already, we know the importance of the tree in the front yard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, as Vera Farmiga, but not in this film. Mm -hmm. And that struck me. Like I even made a point. I said, that's interesting that all these trees are dead, except for there's, there's one on the road and then there's one in front of their house. Mm -hmm. It creates a rather ominous look. And why is that one? Buried on Indian burial ground or on some pet cemetery that's gone south. Like there's yeah. got maybe some... And again, I'm not trying to get too... I'm, I'm being funny here. Oh no, yeah, yeah. But, or trying to be funny. A pet cemetery or um, poltergeisty sort of Indian burial, blah, blah, blah. I'm not doing that. Sure. But that tree does stick out. Oh, yeah. So there's something unique. And then to the larger hole, the choice of that single location, they picked a really good location because it's got a barn. So there's some stuff in the barn that you can play with. Mm-hmm. And then there's a house that's big enough with enough crooks and crannies to allow secret passages and trap doors and slideable walls and dumb that, waiters, <laughs> dumb wait, Exactly. Dumb yeah. waiters. So yeah, I think it's, it's a, a great choice. I think actually. it's
1: a good setting of the scene of just kind of showing, you know, we're going to use that dumb waiter. We're not just showing that just for show. We mm-hmm. got to use that. We got to use this, uh, this chair mm-hmm. uh, that ascends uh, uh, for, for one of the girls that uh, can't walk up the stairs. Uh, even the slits underneath the stairs. I mean, we're like, we're showing all these. Like We got to use that stuff. And, and for the most part,
0: they do. Yeah. Uh, and there's no neighbors, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So there are really effectively isolated.
1: Oh, and then no cell phones too. I mean, this is almost a perfect scenario for a horror film. I mean, you Let's have- Let's raise it to that. No, that's
0: <laughs> a, it's a great choice. You have
1: a, no outs, helps, far away. Uh, a barely running truck. In a barely running truck, exactly. Um, we had a nice little jaunty laugh about. Uh, so the the one of the the nun that's I guess in charge of this uh, school of girls that's teaching them and and whatnot. Yeah, Catholic, <laughs> Catholic school. Uh, it's it's a it's a great moment because uh, Anthony Lapaglia, uh, Mr. Mullins, is like he picks up a photo and it's like her with her like nun sisters. And then he like turns the photo almost like one of those like baseball cards that like is in motion and like in the dark shadows is Valak, the the nun from Conjuring 2 and then the self-titled nun film, but looking all creepy. <laughs> it's, it's a nice touch to let you know, hey, this is the same world and the same universe, but it's, it's really funny. It's
0: <laughs> well, we were making a joke. Oh, is Valak going to show up in that? And sure enough, that's when he takes a picture and twists it. And the nun who's played by Jennifer. <laughs> I okay. okay. I almost did that on purpose because I almost said Jennifer Carpenter. Cause the whole time I was watching this movie, I said, why didn't they just cast Jennifer Carpenter in this role? Yeah. Because it's, it's her, but it's not
1: as the nun. Yes. Or, no, as the yeah. sister.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as, st- as the Stephanie uh, Sigmund character who I only knew from Spectre. That's all I'd ever seen her. And she's got a small role in Spectre. The Bond movies. Probably? Yeah. That she's, she's top billing on this. Jesse. Mm-hmm. What?
1: Oh, when I say $15 million, I mean it wasn't spent on talent, it was <laughs> spent on spooks. Oh, oh, oh. That's not a knock against the film. You're not going to pay your child actor $10 million. There's no Macaulay Culkin over here.
0: Even if it's Patrick <laughs> Wilson's daughter, Lulu Wilson. Is that is that his daughter? Yeah, sure is. Interesting. So they did Farmiga's daughter in The Nun and Lulu Wilson in this one.
1: See, look, it's all very...
0: In the world of The Conjuring. Yeah. Okay, so back to where we were going with this. Um, now I'm sidetracked. In no, you're my head.
1: talking about the actor that plays
0: the nun, Jennifer Carpenter, not yeah. okay. Stephanie Sigmund. She looks at the picture, and these are my four friends, and extols the glorious memories of that. And two feet from the friend on the left is this demonic presence, and she kind of just water off the duck's back. Oh, it's that's just a demon. Don't look at the first four, not the last one.
1: Uh, man, I want to make fun of it and laugh at it. It's, yeah, you kind of have
0: to. It's silly, but like I love its inclusion in
1: here. You know what I mean? Sure. Because like, there's a part of me that loves all these Easter eggs, like is marvel's ruined me mm-hmm. leading to the next thing and stuff we've seen before already like i love its inclusion but it's it's so funny
0: <laughs> is it better if one of the children picks up that picture and sees valak in there versus Anthony lapoglia seeing valak in there
1: or is that or maybe valak's just there just not being all creepy it's like pre demon valak. valak form which don't ask me matt because i've already blinked the nun from my memory i don't mm-hmm. know
0: how that happens yeah i'll admit to everybody i haven't seen the nun so I've uh, Got nothing for you there.
1: You've actually haven't seen a lot from this franchise. You've seen one and two, this one, and that's probably it. That's it. <laughs> so, uh,
0: but that makes me a hypocrite, doesn't it? Because I've sat here for two years and said, "In the basement, in the museum, are all these artifacts to make these movies to spin off other stories." And I finally jumped into the water of one of those other stories. Well, because I'm such a
1: sadist and I watch a lot of garbage, uh, I can just tell you. I mean, it's not you know entirely worth it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting moment, but we kind of, you know, establish the scenes and then we got to get into some spooks because you know the That's the point of it. That's the point of the movie. <laughs> Why isn't he answering her? I think sound in some pretty interesting ways. So we've established that there's this call bell. It's almost like a ringing bell from Mrs. Mullins, who's bedridden, doesn't come out into public. And we find out her face is all messed up, all very eyes without a face with her doll mat, which is pretty creepy. I felt like they could have used that a whole lot more too. Yeah. Um, So they've established that. So this film uses sound and, and, and dark space. I want to call it dead space because it's just the space within the darkness And what's in there. And it works for me up until the moment, the the shock moment. And to me, that's that's what you get with these studio movies, you know what I mean? Yep. It's almost like there's we could probably actually prove this, man. I mean, this is probably a science experiment we could actually get a a first place medal on. There's probably, I bet you, a studio when you make a horror film at Warner Brothers or these a template of, and we've talked about it, a shock every seven minutes, five minutes. And you have to check that box. So whereas myself making this scene, which is fairly effective with the ringing of the bell and it gets louder. And then there's like an image walking outside that's getting closer and you could just kind of cut it there and cut the tension without the boom moment. But of course this ghoul has to open up the thing and put her face in there. And then we relieve the tension with the lights and the, the truth. But it seems like a, that's like a studio mandate where like, no, you gotta they always think that the jump scare is the way to scare people, you know what I mean? Yes. Because this film has a lot of them and they almost all don't work for me. But the setup does.
0: I mean, I think this is a good setup for some spooks. By the time we get to about the tenth moment in that where we've had the tenth shh quiet, real still. Jump scare. Yeah. It's becoming so formulaic it's not working anymore you can avert that by setting us up for a a couple jump scares and then not delivering on them where you just have quiet space and then you just fade out on quiet space. That keeps the fuse lit without having to ignite the bomb and it creates tension. You don't have to break it with comedy. You can. Mm -hmm. But this moment, it's funny you pulled that sound up. I didn't know you were going to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I noticed in this film, Like this is starting to get a little bit old. Yeah. I'm already a little bit exhausted with this being the moment. If you compare this to The Conjuring, which the big moment in The Conjuring for that is the hide and clap in the staircase in the basement, mm-hmm. ah, that it works because that movie's not just jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. Because you know what jump scares mostly are? Yeah. Really easy to build. You well, just ah. get quiet and still and then cut to bang, there it is. Well, you would. The hide-and-clap moment
1: is good in that first one, but I the first Conjuring film, I don't think skates by with not being guilty of this as well. I mean, No, it's fair. I mean, th- there's just a lot in there to allude to, and then we relieve it with a loud noise or a loud bang or a loud this. And oftentimes, I don't think you really need to. I mean, look at a film like The Exorcist. I don't think The Exorcist has one, one jump scare in it. One. It's all in atmosphere and mood, and those are the moments that work in this movie for me. There, there's going to be another one here.
0: I don't think Hereditary is jump scares either and those are two films that I think we both would say are fairly scary films. Absolutely not. It's all about creating a mood
1: and then shock and then your ability within the film to adjust to said shock. Right. That's a different type of horror, but I think that's a horror I like more. I can get on board with some of this stuff, but you got to like you got to take it easy. Cause there's another moment here that also works really well for me. And then it's almost kind of ruined in the end. uh, uh, Let me play that real quick. Again, using sound, I think very well. We didn't need that. No. Oh. But then here it gets like, she's looking at the dark hallway and then here's the pitter patter. Ah! Like, see, like, like that works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yanking the gun and doing a, whoosh, like, like I called those loud drone, drone noises because I know those because when I used to make my own spooky movies, I had to like make those or find them. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I wanted people to be scared. So it does that and it almost ruins it. But then it, like as she's looking in this space and you hear like footsteps. You're waiting for something to enter the threshold of the door. And that's exciting to me. It's the mystery of what does this thing look like? Mm-hmm. It only then gets ruined when we see too much of it. I don't think this film shows too much of what this thing is actually in this one. But you know what I'm
0: saying? Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time in film you watched and were surprised by someone getting hit by a car? While you think about that, let me tell you what mine is. Okay. It was Joe Black, actually. Oh,
1: yeah. That's a great one.
0: And I was like, whoa. (sighs) Mm -hmm. While I finish this thought, I'll let you. Do you have yours I don't
1: even. I'll let you keep going. Let me let me
0: give this to you. If that happens pretty early on in the film, that's a shocking moment. And you, in a horror film, you have to pay very particular attention to the rising stakes of consequence and action and how it unfolds for the viewer to pay off with bigger yikes moments than the previous one. When young Annabelle, the girl, the human, mm-hmm. gets smashed by that car, man, you have already shot your load with that particular image or use of jump scare, essentially. hmm 10, 15 minutes into the film, however long we are, early in an hour and 40-minute movie. Mm -hmm. So when you take that, bang, hit, shocking, and then you go to a pop gun with the ball being shot into a closet to then be not retrieved because something on the other end has it anchored, and then it elevating, that's all cool. Mm -hmm. But all of that is still way, way less shocking than Annabelle being hit by the car. Now here's what I think is kind of frustrating about it. I think one of the better moments, and we watched it twice in this film because you picked out something that I didn't see. And then we watched it again Yeah, is in one of the, is it the hide and seek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're playing hide and seek, which is such a cheap way to get to that boo moment as well. Again, very formulaic. Yeah. We go to hide and seek and that Lulu Wilson, uh, Linda, I think that's her name. Linda. Yep. How about that, can you believe that just happened? Give yep. me one on that. I remembered a name. I didn't <laughs> have to look it up. Holy smokes!
1: Yes, it'll never happen again. No. I'm just
0: kidding. It, it won't. <laughs> Linda's hiding under the stairs, mm-hmm. and we see Annabelle in a rocking chair in there. And behind Annabelle is these two eyes, two little beaming eyes, yeah. and it all—you um, can almost make out like horns. Okay, so two things about that. Yes, mm-hmm. that's also troubling because too often Satan is shown as a goat-like, bipedal goat in film. Yeah. That's pretty tired. Mm-hmm. But yes, you can almost feel a goat-like thing there.
1: That's enough. Mm-hmm.
0: And then what happens? It jerks Annabelle into the recesses of the darkness and she falls out the trap door or the front door of that paneling.
1: Yeah, it's almost <sighs> like they have enough there for to, for it to be effective and then they like pull the rug out from under the scene and it like gets
0: so ineffective. leave the eyes there and have one of her sisters her orphanage sisters Mm -hmm. open the door and that breaks it Mm -hmm. and then look 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 and there's nothing there yeah there's too much yanking and yes
1: paranormal forces you know at will here
0: and all of that again is less significant than the girl who got clocked in the shock moment by getting hit by the car so you're Again, if I'm going to use something that I've made the argument for a million times on this podcast, which is you struggle with prequels because you're getting a lesser version of the character in a latter iteration of the story, and therefore it's smaller. Mm-hmm. This is that. It's a prequel. You're getting a prequel in jump scares in a prequel film because the girl's already been hit by a car. I don't really give a damn about a goat in the dark pulling a rocking... Think about this. Think, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Yeah. I don't know if I give a damn about a goat pulling a rocking doll into the recesses of the darkness because you've already given me more. Yeah, That's a shocking statement, Jesse. Yeah, no, a this, goat pulling well, the, a rocking doll, it doesn't pay? How many times have we said that less is more? And You know what I mean? Structure and timing, too yeah exactly I got a big question to ask you okay so did you come up with your moment you could think of where you got
1: I think maybe you know the one car getting hit by a car that really impacted me and then it's interesting in that story too do you remember when Steve Buscemi gets hit by the car in Reservoir Dogs oh yeah and just like gets up and just keeps going on just like the tenacity to like not get arrested in that moment is really well shot for a low budget film good one all right
0: question Mm. Uh,
1: Rice Smile therapy session uh, is now in effect Got a big question to ask you. And I think maybe this is the root of a lot of our problems, not only with last week, this week, and the next two weeks, probably. Do you think you and I specifically are a little jaded with either this franchise or these types of films because we have seen so many horror films and we know when it works? Like, and we know when it's palatable mm-hmm. and we know when it's total shit. I think I, we've been so desensitized to so many things. Like we can we can project these jump scares before they even happen. I mean, it's almost like we're clairvoyance and horror. And I don't want to fault the filmmakers and the writers for doing that. I mean, to write and execute these things is that's hard work. But as a viewer who's seen just about, you've shocked me with just about any possible hiding space. Uh, darkness, a uh, goat demon
0: that I could possibly ever seen. You think that's part of the problem too? Yes, and you know what? I'm going to back it up with this. Mm-hmm. It's why you like The Witch. Mm-hmm. Because The Witch is the slow burn that has an ambiguous ending that doesn't give you that boot. And I've never seen The Witch, and we're going to do we that film do together absolutely. someday. Because I think as highly as you speak about that film, that's not widely... Received by the populace with the same affection that you hold, because it is a
1: slow, you said slow burn, and that's exactly what it is. Well, those
0: are your words mm-hmm. to me. After you saw it, Matt, you got to see it. It's a slow burn because it's not that. Mm-hmm. Because the jump scare that you're waiting for isn't there. Think about what you're talking about. We're talking about homage to the great evil, the devil. Mm-hmm. Uses of goat because it takes place on a farm. I'm sure that has to appear in some manner there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of questioning about what's happening and how it's going to end. And I'm only taking this from what you've said to me. So this is just me recounting what you've told me. Sure. And a lot of maybe that's in their head. Maybe that really happened. Maybe that's this interpretation. And it stays away from all of the things that we become so familiar with. It's also why the decapitation scene in Hereditary is so effective. Why that whole movie is so effective. Yeah. And even mid midsummer, so, midsummer for that for that matter as well. Uh, yes, you're, the answer to that,
1: your question is one hundred. Yes, I don't. So th- shame on you and me. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's 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 a that's a Jesse and Matt problem. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't, I'm not like impacted by like the boo moments or this because I know how they're going to happen. I know how they're going to relieve the tension, and I'm just I'm too ahead of the curve on a lot of these films. Whereas something like The Witch or Hereditary. The things that stick with me more is the imagery, like Tony Collette garroting her head off in the attic. Oh my god, is a much more impactful moment than anything you could ever jump at me with. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be said there. I think in order for something to be impactful and stick with me a lot, now uh, I got to be shocked with something. Like you got to physically make me uncomfortable, and just like you know, we're playing a space with like a scary doll, and it's it's the reason child's plays never worked for me as a franchise because at least they play it with laughs with Brad Dorff's voice and and whatnot. He's a caricature, but it's a reason that doesn't work. I mean, there's such a suspension of disbelief there, but you can only scare me so
0: much with the visage of a, a doll. Let me piggyback with your analysis, your psychoanalysis of a history of horror with Matt and Jesse. Oftentimes, I don't go to a horror movie expecting to be scared. Most of the time, I don't think I'm going to be scared. If it happens and I get a, you know, y- g- seat in my moment or, or a Yike moment in my seat or whatever, yeah, that happens. But what I'm really looking for is you can can you construct a fully fleshed out story around that? We talked about that last week with some of the holes in The Conjuring, and well, that's a little bit convenient, and it just so happened, oh, and it also happened this week on the Patreon as well when we released <laughs> that, right? Yeah. Which is training day, big time, yeah. So what I think you and I both agreed we liked about The Conjuring is something that's also very heavily biased in your and I's film viewing experience, and that is we like the element of family because it relates to something you and I can understand. Okay. If The Conjuring has a few plot holes here and there, it's mostly paid off with the element of this couple and their family Going to bat for another family and keeping that precious structure in place. And in so doing, I get almost a dramedy dramedy, a drama horror. The family element and this is also there. Think about what you have. Mm-hmm. Girls that don't have a family looking to be adopted at some orphanage, going and living with a very fractured family because their daughter has been hit by a car and no longer exists. And now wife is an invalid, which I'm not really sure why she can't get out of the bed because there's no reason why she doesn't have the use of her legs, maybe her face and her eye, but we don't ever get that either. In between those two comparisons is a big miss and if I want a fully fleshed out wheel of cheese to represent my story. Mm-hmm. Then what this film is giving me is Swiss cheese, and <laughs> and in the Swiss cheese, what it's filling the holes with, Jesse, is the yike jump scare. You're absolutely right, and so that's the problem. What? I can't believe you just took my you knew unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, you spent too much time together. Yeah, we should we should you and I should pilot one of those
1: uh, Jaegers in Pacific Rim. Because you have to be like the same train <laughs> thought to fight with them. Exactly.
0: Uh, right, right, yeah.
1: What about the, I kind of thought that was pretty interesting. So Janice, so she's the one that had been stricken with polio. She's got a bum leg, can't get up the stairs. And I like that she kind of singles out that this like entity or this force has singled her out because she is
0: the weakest one. I thought that was, you know, a fairly interesting thing to play with. And as bad as her sisters treat her, makes sense why this thing might choose to Take her over because I'm gonna make these other bitches pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that that that's good. Let's be fair, that's good. I think
1: that does work for me. Do you think there is a missed opportunity where she doesn't make her other sisters pay? (sighs) Yes. Yes. Pushes one of them down the well or something or
0: (laughs) Well, when Linda is looking over the well and it kind of happens anyway, yeah, I thought for sure she was going to Mm -hmm. once we get the common trope in the conjuring, which is the demon vomiting into the mouth of the now possessed, Lily Taylor. We watch her very clandestine-like sneak around and find an opportunity to knock someone into a terrible demise. Doesn't happen, though. Push her in front of a car. (laughs) Oh, good. I love it. It Why not? That could have been good.
1: But the moment, though, when she's on her little conveyor chair, (laughs) I thought was pretty good because because she is so immobile. Mm -hmm. When it's going back up, you're just waiting for it to enter the darkness and what could be up there. So that the idea of that works, and then she gets thrown off the top balcony of the the staircase there, and like has to be in a wheelchair. So, like I said, there's things that work, but then it's just like it's totally undercut by like a lot of these other stranger moments. Because uh, I could totally, you know, like the, the family aspect with La Paglia and Miranda Otto. She she was in Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you
0: remember her. She's also in Sabrina, the yeah. Teenage Witch, which is a series that I've actually really liked. The reboot. Can right? you believe that? It's pretty good. Not the one with Melissa Joan Hart, right? No, the reboot. Okay.
1: It's super dark, I've heard, I've heard that. Uh, I could see this family, you know, trying to, like, uh, get over their grief with, like, bringing, you know, people back into their house again. As it's a way for them to, you know, help cope with it. I just, I just don't know if they do enough with that. I mean, she's in bed most of the film with her mask, which is effective but not used as much. He's interesting because he's so stoic and grim and morose, but then also kind of like Mr. Fix-It and then trying to do the good thing. And then, yeah, he gets kind of disposed with all his broken fingers. That was, that was fairly gross when his hand snapped back from the cross.
0: But I feel like they, they could have used more with those characters as well, too. I kept waiting for the moment when Anthony LaPaglia finally befriends one of these girls, and she's able to break down the visage of broken man and get into the inner workings of what he was. And maybe he shows them, or the girl, here's my workshop. Here's where the dolls come from. Here's why you can't mess around with Annabelle. And that never happens in the film. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just the conduit to why there's a doll. And they don't really do a whole lot to develop him after Annabelle gets hit. And mm-hmm. that's, like I said, 10 minutes in. He's a big, big miss in this film. hmm like you said, he just walks around as surly quiet man. That's just basically not having to write any character, Jesse. Yeah. It's lazy writing. Yeah. Gary, Do you have a mo- Gary Doberman <laughs> kind of right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get one little moment on the patio with Linda, but then he dies and, and then he's just two, two seconds later. Right. Uh, yeah, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you brought it up. I'm disagreeing with you. Yeah. He's, Kinda of missed.
1: Let's kind of get to the 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 third act of the film here, cause this is kind of where we get a little bit of that uh you know, explanation on what's going on here?
0: Mm-hmm. It was a demonic presence,
1: and it was using our Annabelle to manipulate us into giving it a soul that couldn't have it. It tried to take mine, but Samuel reached out to the church. They saved my soul, but the evil was still. Away where it could be surrounded by the word of God. And we said, too, the kind of hiding place of Annabelle is also very effective. It's uh, it's in the omen, right? Mm-hmm. The priest that uh, gets speared, his b- priest room was paper mache with the Bible pages as well. Well, paper mache. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wallpapered mm-hmm. with scripture. Um, that's a nice moment. And we get a little bit of the backstory on here's this vulnerable couple that just asked God to please give them some peace over the loss of their daughter and being that vulnerable, then open them up to a gateway to this demon. And And part of the problem
1: too, is I mean, we're playing with demons and ghouls and whatever you want to call these things. There's, just, there's no rules to it. And I think that's also the problem. As hard as you are on werewolves and the wolfman, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I can't <laughs> wait till we get to some of those movies, especially American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. at least there's some verbiage, there's yeah. some lore, some mm-hmm. rules that we know we must abide by. Amen. And the film follows that b- blueprint. With these ghouls and ghosts specifically... And we have a little kind of personal connection to that as well with something we've done creatively. Mm -hmm. You can just do whatever you want. You know what I mean? There's no rules. It's just complete chaos. I mean, these things can do and cut up because something crazy that happens here, because I don't want the doll walking around on two legs because that's just silly. The doll just starts showing up in whatever place. They dump it in the well and then it's in the bed and then someone's holding it and then it's in the room and then it's out of the room <laughs> demons and ghosts in the conjuring have no rules right you can do whatever you want and that's to me that's that's lazy writing
0: amen yes you are 100% right but that's friend.
1: last week that's this film it's going to happen next week next too
0: next week and probably in part 3 as well and
1: mm-hmm. that, to me that is a problem there's a reason i think vampires and and werewolves are so well established is And even slasher films too, for as hard as critics and PTA people are on slasher films for how gruesome they are, man, there's rules, rules
0: and roles, and you can tell an effective story that way. Oh, so well said. Rules and roles is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yes, 100%. Restraint is important, and rules provide restraint, and you know what else it does? It forces you to be creative in the way you solve the problems, because we have... These four rules, and this is the the environment of the geography that we've created for these bad things to exist in. Now, when we have these problems, we have to find a way using these four possible outs to either enhance or solve the problem of conflict. If it can just be, I can teleport anywhere, whether I'm in the well or a fire or a truck or a workshop or whatever, You're not there, but you're not far from it was all a dream, which is just convenient, easy outs because you don't understand it because you're human and it's all just happening. If Annabelle is created because the process that Mr. Mullins goes through to make a superior doll in the toy store compared to other dolls that are available involves some ceremonial piece that he has come to without knowing he is tapping into a demonic force. And what you're telling me I've gone too far because that's entirely too too supernatural, you have a teleporting doll. Stop it. That's not an argument. Mm-hmm. If we see La Paglia, Mr. Mullins, build... I don't even care if it's Annabelle. Let's say it's Annabelle, a doll. And then he just in a moment, lights some candles, a pentagram and tries to imbue this with like whatever force, or there's a ceremonial piece when the kid gets home and they welcome their doll to the family in this adoption thing. And it's taken from the book of the dead, or there's some piece in this yeah. that allows the gateway for possession. And then the possession in the doll in the new ownership of the house allows that demon to pick upon the unwitting or merciless and take them over. Yeah, then you've built a structure and that works with the way Annabelle goes throughout the entirety of The Conjuring. They're kind of around this. Mm -hmm. The family is so tragically broken from the loss of their Annabelle that they will take any piece of ghostial specter presence to quell that tragedy. They don't know what they're inviting in, then all like they're kind of around in that same area. Yeah, they are. They just don't get it across the finish line. And, and I think it has everything to say with what you said, Jesse. Mm-hmm. We talked about this off mic, and I guess let's do it now. Okay. $15 million budget. The conjuring one was a hit, and Everyone loved Annabelle. We haven't really delivered on an Annabelle story. Let's do a prequel. That'll give us a chance to kind of tie it all together and build a larger network of world in the Conjuring space. Annabelle's still really creepy looking. Here's what we need to do. Check, 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 check. What do we want for a budget? Uh, 15. What do we want to get as an ROI? What did it make?
1: Three hundred and two million worldwide.
0: Number three in the list of all Conjuring films you told me. Number one is The Nun. Mm-hmm. Number two is Conjuring One, and this is number three. Yep. Fifteen million dollars recoups you three hundred million dollars worldwide. That's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah. And it's this straight exploitation mm-hmm. of a loyal fan base and the hopes that we're finally going to get the story of Annabelle that they've never given us yet. And can't we say that about a lot of horror? Oh, yeah. Run with that. I don't even know if
1: the... But it's a story that I necessarily know it. I don't even know if I want it. I don't even know if I wanted it in the last week. I told you last week I didn't even want it in the movie until the final scene. So is that enough to build three movies in? I mean, we got three Annabelle films before we got three Ed and Lorraine Warren films, even though they are in the third Annabelle. I'm just telling you, if you're as troubled right now with, with this one, and we, there's some good and some bad and some weird. Man, Annabelle comes home, stay far away. <laughs> and the one before this one, stay away from that one as well. Uh, this director, David Sandberg, did you ever see the other film, uh, He Made Lights Out? hmm What would you think of that? Yeah. Yeah? The short film that that's based on is that he also did is actually just as effective as, as anything because it's like two minutes, but it's the premise of Lights Out that like when you turn the lights off, there's a ghoul right there. hmm Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, for there's, I I just think there's a lot of things in here that, you know, work for me and like the spook space that are just completely undermined. And then the story just goes that natural route of the dolls, a vessel of evil. We must quench the evil, but they kind of don't in this movie, right? Like we kind of get to the final scenes here. It's a nice... It's a cat and mouse chase between Lulu Wilson and then the rest of the girls. What do you think of that? What do you you think of Mr. Scarecrow, man?
0: (laughs) It's a nice effect. It looks cool. I don't know why we have that showing up. How many demons are now present? And again, back to what you said, teleporting doll from the well to the couch, to the closet, to the this, to the that, why not have a scarecrow that can take on some visage of bipedal motion and then not actually do anything with it.
1: (laughs) I gotta tell you this franchise is amazing at uh, at least making the things look creepy Mm -hmm. because that scarecrow his face, he almost looks like he's smiling in there. So like the look of that, like I'm not telling you I'm ready for the scarecrow (laughs) movie because please don't make that. Uh, Maybe I'll be ready for that in a few years but between Valak, the Annabelle doll, Mr. Scarecrow man and even the, the crooked man for whatever the hell he is Some interesting looking creations. It's just that, like, people get so excited about them and then they're like, oh, we must make a
0: movie about this now. As great as that scarecrow looks, he doesn't make sense either. Well, he doesn't, yeah, (laughs) because he's outside the barn on his statue or his scarecrow cross, and then he's inside the barn on the wall. Again, the same problem. You just can go anywhere you want with no geographical space to pay any attention to. And then we get into the barn and we get that very arduous breaking of the light. Now we're breaking this light and we're down to our final light bulb. And when it goes all dark, then I guess all hell is going to break loose. And we get the unscrew it to only have her screw it back in. And at this point, the fuse on the bomb should have already exploded the bomb because I'm almost not caring anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so long. I know. And we finally get there. Yeah. And what's the final bit on that? Nothing. Yeah. The light goes out. We get an upside down black demon that we get a one second of a look at. And then she runs away and hides and is rescued by one of her sisters. And the sum total of all the scarecrow is Nothing.
1: I don't know, maybe I've just been paying too close attention to movies and just the way they're formatted as of late. But doesn't that seem like another scene that's like the studio's like, we need more we, we need more booze.
0: Oh, so they just put it in. Yeah. Like horn. Schoenhor- yeah.
1: Yeah. We need we need we need they're not doing anything during this scene, so you need to do something with them and it needs to be spooky. Good point. That's what it seems like. These seem like I don't know, I've never been like aware of studio notes, but as of late, they just I, I can see studios saying they screen a movie, it plays okay, but these are the notes they give you, and then they have to go and add these scenes to them, which is, it's again, filmmaking by committee versus singular story. You think David Lynch is going to do shit like that? No, he's going to have some like weird thing dancing in the corner, mm-hmm. and you just have to accept it.
0: You know because what I mean? The whole thing has been surreal this whole time. Yes,
1: And I think that that's a space that I play better in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, I, I would rather have no explanation and be just as confused than have everything just so presented to me on a platter. Yeah. It's, it's almost so simple at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And they've even set up that scarecrow. Cause the one girl mm-hmm. that sees the scarecrow early on, I can't even remember her name now. She's one of the orphanage girls. Well, she's, She's in Shazam as well. Oh, you're right. She is. Isn't that an orphanage home in that movie too? I I didn't even think about that till right now. Yes, you're correct. Is that why he got picked? He's like, you did one orphan movie. You could do another one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: Hollywood's a weird place. It is.
0: (laughs) She's bugged by that scarecrow, but she's not the one that's going to be terrorized by the scarecrow. That's a miss too. Don't you see a scene in this film where something happens in the house? And they or the the house, and they flee it to the farm, like the actual field. Yeah. And you get the great moment, like the corn field chase. And they pop up, and they look, and there's nothing there, and all they see is the scarecrow on the scarecrow cross a ways away. They duck back down, and they hide, and they're in and out of the corn stalks, and then they pop up again, and the scarecrow's gone. So they're running from this thing that's the Annabelle demon and in the meantime, <laughs> the scarecrow's not on there. You see, how there's. I, I know exactly what you're in, saying. Instead, what we get is inside the barn. The scarecrow that now is outside the barn on the scare, scarecrow crucifix is now crucified on the wall of the barn. <laughs> what? What? How? Who put it there? Why wasn't that set up? Uh, it's it's kind of frustrating, man. And what's what's weird about it too. The scarecrow actually is set up in the film. We do see the scarecrow prior inside. It's just, let's like, A to not B, because that'd be set up payoff. This is like A to yogurt. You're like, what happened to B? Maybe this cask, I don't know. This is We wanted to do it, and I'm glad
1: we're doing yeah, it, but I think it's bringing a lot of things to light. I think there's such a discernible difference between what, like, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, It Follows, like, a lot of those, like, what they do in their movies as
0: opposed to this type of movie. Yeah. Maybe you're onto something here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're not going to blame James Wan, though, because this is only produced by him, right? Oh, I know, but, like,
1: I had qualms last week, too, but,
0: mm-hmm. like, they weren't, like...
1: So they, maybe we are. But no, because, you know, I, one of the reasons... And I want to go see Spiral because I want to know like what that what mm-hmm. spin off that's even all about. You know what I mean? Because I believe it or not, Matt, I've seen every single Saw movie and it's been a trek. Yeah. But that first movie's so good because like you don't care about like the spooks in there. Like you're you're the the powder keg in that film is like man is one of these guys gonna saw his foot off? And then when it happens, you're just like kind of unprepared for it. It's so simple. That premise is so simple mm-hmm. and not really violent and very interesting. That. I see how like like that transfers to something like the conjuring mm-hmm. and I see his qualities as a as a filmmaker but you know at the same time too I mean James Wan also made Aquaman and we had like mm-hmm. that movie ripped off like 15 other movies. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm not blaming James Wan for this one. I mean, I he probably had nothing to do it to do with this, but I'm blaming Warner Brothers and that's just man, 2021 20, the grave of 2021 is gonna say I blame it on Warner Brothers Studios. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because how many times have we brought them up this year? It's I like I'm, I'm almost feel shameful for bringing them
0: up again. Be I have to put some blame on somebody. Yeah, they're in a real bad space. They need some clear direction on where they're taking most of their franchises because at this point, and we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks with the Conjuring Three, and like I said, we're gonna cover it on the show. There's uh, Godzilla is done. Justice League is... Whatever. God only knows where that is. I, I Mortal know. Kombat is terrible. Their, their properties are in bad, bad shape. And I know they have Harry Potter. And I'll tell you, Fantastic
1: Beasts, the last one that came out, oh, yeah. was not good. I thought it wasn't good. No. So, yeah. It's their fault. 2021 is... I'm blaming it all on Warner Brothers. Uh... Oh, let's mm-hmm. see here. Let's let's wrap up this final this final kind of chase sequence. So I think the dumbwaiters use moderately effectively. We don't get enough dumbwaiter scenes in, in movies. Yes. So that's all right. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. I mean, the visage of the Annabelle demon has inhabited Janice, and they just kind of lock her up in the room with the doll, like not really to like be solved. And I thought that was interesting too. I mean, we have to allude to the next film that that uh, precedes this, but that's pretty good. It's kind of an open ended, uh, kind of final sequence. We don't necessarily beat evil in this film. Evil is left to escape and move on, and that's that's admirable. At least it's so they have to. They feel the need to have to undermine every jump scare, but when it comes to the ending, we're allowed to oh, just. Mm-hmm. Tie it up to the next one as much as possible, but you can kind of keep it pretty left open and pretty morose. Like that's that's interesting. Yeah. Because I think the ending is mostly
0: okay. Okay. I guess at this point Annabelle is back to being just a doll. Is it though? I don't know. Or is it still in Janice, the girl, because she just scampers off into the night only to be adopted by this family in the final scene. No, yeah, and I but I think the doll is devoid of any demonic possession i think the vessel still exists like you could still use it but janice has whatever demon was in the doll and she's off to go raise hell and murder the couple next door
1: well the only thing that would explain that for the next film for the evil to go back into the doll is if they do some culty thing to get
0: and then we're in child's play territory you know what i mean like that's that movie when we were watching the end and you were explaining how this tied into the next film uh, a lot of those questions came to my mind, which was, okay, so this dim- this demon is out of the doll. How many times are we going to circle back to the doll just to keep using the doll? Because the demon wouldn't want to go back in that doll unless it had nowhere else to hide. And if anybody has a question about <laughs> if this can be done well, let me give you a recommendation. Go watch Fallen, the Denzel Washington been film. i
1: talking about him a lot lately.
0: That movie handles... Where the demon hides so it's not identified really, really well. Mm-hmm. And again, when you were explaining it to me, maybe I'm going to watch it, but probably not. I can't see how it goes from where this film finished with the dolls in the backseat of some cop car being driven off to God only knows where. And why don't I just don't burn the doll at this point is beyond me. It's made out of wood. Mm-hmm. To where the demon's going to end up back in the doll with the Warrens in their presence. I don't even know if I want to, like, oh, part of
1: spin the, that circle. Part of the problem is, is me the loyal viewer who's watched them all. I could give you some insight, and I, honestly, I probably am going to watch it to be honest. But with you. I honestly can't tell you what happens in them. I I can't remember how it plays out,
0: and I don't know if I want to go
1: back and find out how it all plays out. You know what I mean? That's another problem too. There's not a lot of rewatchability with a
0: lot of this stuff. I'll burn coming home this week. so i have that before we get into conjuring part two okay Uh, okay i'll watch it this week all right good time good luck okay (laughs) that's the one i need right coming home that's the one to watch next i get Yeah, that's the one that not create no not annabelle like the one i need to watch that picked up where this film ends. is annabelle comes coming home no that's annabelle i need to watch annabelle yeah i'm all right i'll watch annabelle okay see what a fucking mess
1: it is and then the priest that's in that movie Shows up in the Curse of La Llorona. I mean, it's like they're they're trying to build a universe, mm-hmm. and I applaud them. Compared to Dark Universe, Snyderverse, Fast and Furious verse, this is probably the most second most successful one after Marvel, at yeah. least money wise.
0: Yeah,
1: but it's kind of a mess. It's kind of there's no cohesion, and I'm I'm looking forward to next week because you know I was I was pretty high on part two, but. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, Matt, uh, hang on. Let me see. it. Do I have any other tasty anecdotes? I don't think I do. The movie was a hit, which is... uh, But that doesn't surprise me in horror. You know what I mean? I mean, it plays well. This is like a September release. This is perfect for September Mm -hmm. or late August. I mean, there's nothing out. Horror plays well. It's cheap. There's a lot of good international value there because it isn't just like an American stream, You know what I mean? It's so universal, creepy doll. I can see how it made 300 million. You know what I mean? Like this, this plays in that, that time space that it came out, mm-hmm. but then it
0: feeds the fire of big hit, make another one. They're going to get a strange number with three, too, mm-hmm. because that's the first getting back to theater big thing that's going to go at HBO Max and theatrically released together. That's in two weeks. I got to tell you, though, Matt. And because people haven't been to a film in a long time, that movie's going to break it in. Yeah. It is. Watch.
1: I think the Fast and the Furious 9 comes out the week before that. So oh, does it? I okay. Well, they'll, so co- oh, okay. they'll both kind of reap the rewards of not anything out.
0: Yeah. But I got to tell you, Matt, mm. that trailer for that third movie didn't really do it for me. So yeah, if we're playing in like a, a an alternate dimension kind of space or something. But it's oh like it,
1: they kind of set it up as like a courtroom drama like. Uh, Rose, Emily Rose. Yeah. So maybe, and this is based on a case that you can actually go and look up. So this did happen. Unlike last week's movie. We'll see. What was your favorite tasting note of Annabelle creation?
0: Actually was pretty upset when the little girl got hit. I knew she was going to bite the dust. Yeah. (laughs) Cause we have to get that element in the film. But I thought that first 10 minutes of the film, they'd created a pretty cool structure. And um, I was pretty shocked when she got hit by the car. So probably that moment is is one of the better ones in there. There's a couple of visual moments that look real well. But I think that moment is, uh, you know, you can see the car coming down the road. And that's set up well in a time that doesn't take forever to get to. And the explosion is worth the fuse and how long it's been burning.
1: That's yeah, a good opening
0: to the movie. I sure
1: Uh, I do like, uh, so that, that toy, that toy gun that, what a great mechanism built into the toy. I mean, part of the pain in the ass of a Nerf gun is you got to go retrieve your shit after you shoot it all. Mm -hmm. This one, you just reel it back in and it reminded me of Jaws. Mm -hmm. Like when she's reeling, it's Quint, you know, and it gets caught and he like puts his little vest on. Yeah. Maybe I should just go watch Jaws instead, Matt. Uh, But I think that mostly, other than the moments that are just, like, unnecessary, I think that's a fairly effective moment of dark space and the void of what's out there. And I think they played that part pretty well with sound, uh, only to then ruin it two moments later. So that's the one I'm going to pick. That's probably my favorite moment of the movie. Good one. What's the... Moment
0: of Annabelle creation. It's got to be Mrs. Mullins, Ripped in half? Ripped in half corpse crucified on the wall, like the scarecrow, which doesn't make any sense either. But that's visually, like, very hard to look at.
1: I think I'm going to pick the same one, too, only because we were like, Jesus Christ, like, the movie's going there now? Also, part of the problem of there's no rules. I mean, the demon can rip people in half now like i don't know what demons can do Do why has it been waiting so long Well, do they possess people do they turn you evil or do they act as physical forms of violence i guess d all of the above (laughs) (laughs) right who's the master distiller on annabelle creation Uh,
0: man i don't even know um Yeah, Jesse. I don't know. Whoever did the design of the creatures, maybe I. I don't. I can I can I not give one this week. I I I don't know. I think the rule is you have to because we even
1: gave on like Suicide Squad and Snyder verse.
0: Okay, I'll give it. Th- All right. Because I can't think of anyone else. Yeah. I'm gonna give it to La Paglia because he at least he plays a believable dad who's lost his daughter and that could see that reasonably done. Absolutely fair. Okay. That all right. That's such a bad vote, but I'm gonna go with La Paglia.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna give it to the two the, the, the two girls, the Janice and, and Linda. Just because I think a lot of this film rests on their shoulders and how they kind of move and react to scene. And I think for the most part, even though the scenes don't play out much to our liking, I think they do it admirably. I mean, this is, like I said, I would never ask to, I would pass on this movie because of who you're working with. Because it is so difficult to make it realistic and make it make people react a certain way. But when they look scared, they do look scared. They like It's like they're actually being spooked by things, so... I'll give it to the two of them. How are you going to rate and grade Annabelle Creation, Matt? I'm going to go
0: through the ratings real quick so everybody knows where we're at. We have Rot Gut, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. This is well minus. It's almost Rot Gut. If it's not for the image of Mrs. Mullins and her face ripped off and a couple of quick looks, uh, like the part when. The Annabelle ghost says, I want your soul. And we mm-hmm. get, if it's not for a few of those flash, scary, ugly moments, this movie's terrible. It's terrible. This movie's a terrible movie. But there's a couple moments in there that keep it from being absolute trash. Mm-hmm. So, well, minus, minus, minus. Like this needs a lot of coke and a lime and a chaser. And don't start off drinking this and you're going to have one hell of a hangover because it's not been filtered through anything that's remotely good. This Mm -hmm. is a rough drink. Yeah. What do you got? But
1: not entirely rock gut. You know what I mean? Like, I don't
0: don't think it's made rock gut. I don't think it's
1: necessarily acted rock gut. I think, you know, the things that we had issues with are all in execution. Uh, Some of the writing and part of the lofty expectations of this entire universe I'll probably clock in at about a a well plus teetering on a call minus because there are things in here that I think are decent. Uh, They get the rug pulled out from under them. But at the end of the day, like when I went to go see this, I didn't necessarily know what to expect because I disliked the first Annabelle film so much that this felt at least a little bit different because to me, Annabelle isn't so omniscient in this film. She's in a chair. She's there. And it's a lot of the inner machinations of this thing that they brought upon the house. And that was at least more interesting than the doll ever was in the first film. Okay. So I thought it was a step up from the last entry, but... why uh, that movie must really suck. It's just so... I don't know. What's worse, Matt? For a movie just to like totally just suck it hard and just be bottom of the barrel or to just be so bland you just remember nothing of it?
0: Probably the second...
1: Yeah, i at least if it's if it's bad, I'll remember you. Serenity. Mm-hmm. If it's so forgettable, I'm never going back to you again. Yeah. So this yeah. was at least a step up in my book to kind of at least do something different. And I think the time period helps with that, okay. and the location for sure. But it all boils down to me. Like I do, I'm I am taking now with more observation, a lot more issue with these uh, studio backed horror films. They just look different. They look, feel different than, like, when A24, like, announces, like, a new, like, horror film. (laughs) Sign me up day one. Like, I am there. Right. Because there's just different, it's a different space. It's a different filmmaking and acting space that, like, you're not getting a Tony Collette or Florence Pugh level of performance in these type of movies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Ari Aster does things with those actors that, like, he, like, breaks them down to their core and, like, emits trauma from like their like inner machinations and that's like that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna get that with any of these. Like these are popcorn summer horror films. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. There's a space for for all of that. But if you want to truly stick your landing and have me go back and rewatch you, you gotta do it a little bit better than like what what these have been doing. So
0: I think that's perfectly summarized. mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean that's just the state of horror. You know what I mean? Like I told you that Mike, I'm really looking forward to that new Candyman film because of you know how they could just expand on the lore of the the original one and do something entirely unique with with that film. That's a Universal movie. It's a big studio, but it has the Jordan Peele kind of touch to it, so to speak. He helped write the screenplay, so I'm really looking forward to that one. We'll see. And Halloween Kills fits in that same space as well because that's Bloomhouse and Universal. So. We'll see. Maybe I just, maybe I just got to stop watching Warner Brothers movies. Maybe that's the thing. That might be. At least they've given us something to watch here. Uh, now, in the last couple months, everyone else has been dormant, but they've at least been churning them out and releasing them.
0: You're gonna have to change your phone case too. Those are the good days, Matt.
1: Yeah. Uh, but let's get to our nightcap, Matt. I am so looking forward to this. Good. Spooky. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty. So whether we ask for Annabelle one creation comes home, we got them all. Uh, we got the nun. And then the curse of La Llorona was the, the start of something else. And who knows if they'll ever make another one, but what's a horror film spinoff off sidequill, however you want to qualify it that you would actually like to see. You'd go buy a ticket and go sit in the theater and be like, I am looking forward to this. It's from
0: classic literature. Dickens. I want the Jacob Marley story. Mm. When he's brought back in the little bit that we get from him and the exposition that he gives to Ebenezer Scrooge, you are seeing the effects of a life poorly spent. And what wickedness did he engage in and how far does he have to go to get it back and pay off those sins? That's the story I've wanted. I've wanted it since I've been 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker because I love that story. It's a good one. I, I love A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be a Christmas movie because I don't really think that that, I mean, it is. But Ghosts and Regret, at, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. That's the one I want. Yeah. And give me, as much as I don't like prequels, I'm making the case for prequel and postquel after what we see in A Christmas Carol. Okay. Jacob Marley. Is that what? called called Marley. Just
1: called Marley. Mm -hmm. Marley and me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Great choice. Thanks. Because they could do a lot of fun, like ghosty, spectry, ghoul shit with something like that. Like that could be like a lot of fun to like look at and then like be in the space of. And then there's just something about, like, 1800s London is just, like, dirty, smoky. I don't know. Maybe it's because I think of, like, um, Oliver Twist and, like, all of those other Dickens (laughs) writings. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. He was really
0: good in that space. Great choice. For him to get those chains off, he's going to have to pay back a lot of people Mm. for the things he's done. And then the question is, how do you do that? With because he doesn't have any means mm-hmm. to solve those problems that he might have perpetrated on these people or their families or their heirs if they've passed on. So, what kind of evil does he have to do to others in order to pay back those sins? <sighs> Could be good, you know, Amanda. That's probably an actual, like, kind of like doable screenplay because
1: Christmas Carol is in the public domain, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you paying for the rights to the Marley character? Nobody. Let's go, let's do it, fade in. My choice is another film that I think we could honestly get made, like on like pitch alone. Mm. I'm so excited to tell this. Like, I I wanna the more I've thought about it, the more I need this movie. I wanna see it. It needs to happen. Mm. So I've been thinking a lot about you know werewolves and vampires as of late. And I told you earlier this week that Warner Warner Brothers is thinking of uh remaking The Hunger, Tony Scott's The Hunger.
0: Yeah. Thoughts? Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait to just do that film in here. If casted well though, right? Right. It's all in casting. The next dream cast I want is The Lost Boys, Let the Right One In, and The Hunger by Vampire Cast. Well, I
1: don't know where you're fitting in the one I'm about to bring up, but here's the 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 spin-off prequel that I absolutely need. I need to know how Jerry Dandridge became a oh. vampire from Fright Night. Oh yes. And you know when where it's taking place because I don't want some Victorian era Transylvanian bullshit. Like I want Jerry Dandridge, uh, army soldier in World War II, in his tour of duty in Europe, is when he gets bit by a vampire. Oh, that's great! So it's part war film, part vampire flick, but it's such it's a prequel to all of the events that take place in Fright Night. Can you imagine oh. the seduction that takes place with someone like that? No. And the yes, she, I, yes, I can. She has to be female, the lead vampire. Hell yeah, right? <laughs> Man, that's fantastic. That could be good. We haven't had a, a vampire unless can cor- be c- Blake Lively. Yeah, it could be. Ooh. <laughs> I haven't seen her in a movie in a while, but like it, it's yeah, Jesse. Yes, yes, yes. I don't think I've ever seen a a World War II esque vampire film. Correct no. me if I'm wrong. I can't think of one. Rye nation or right listeners in the emails. That could be, couldn't that be fun? You know what I mean? Oh, be? yeah. Like, can you imagine him, like, in, like, Normandy, France, or, like, like in his tour in, like, Germany, and West Germany, and then he just stumble. they just, in the towns while you're, like, you know, kind of, like, recouping, like, he runs into this, like, seductress, and then thus begins it, and then, like, Jerry Dandridge is now a vampire when he goes back, and then he, like, starts his thing. Fantastic. I would love a way to tie in Peter Vincent into that, but that almost complicates that movie, so I almost feel like we don't need that.
0: Well, he could be a fan of Vincent's show, maybe, or, yeah, Vincent's probably... I don't know. I don't think we need it. Could maybe Easter egg it out in some way, somehow, but uh, that's good, dude. Really good. That could be fun. I want to see that film, too. Because mm-hmm. all the sequels to Fr- Fright Night Part Two
1: with the original one in the 80s... And then the remake they did, and then the sequel to that remake, as they've all been just so whatever. This could actually be pretty good. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that could be really good. I bet you Chris Sarandon would read that script.
1: Yeah, it would have to be probably an actor younger than him to play his younger self, but he could still be in it. You know what I mean? Like
0: I would love to have him be in it. <laughs> That's good, man. Really good. That could be because I love it. My
1: favorite vampire movie.
0: That's your favorite?
1: Absolutely. That's good, man. Because when he shows up, I mean, he shows up.
0: Young, mm-hmm. how old is he? Like
1: 30
0: 30- ish, three. Yeah, which would be that time he got turned
1: exactly. That's, That's the good, thing, man. That's, and then that, that depends on you know w- what event is taking like when that happens in his life.
0: Well, and there's a lothario piece to him in that film as well. There is to all vampires, but Chris Sarandon really plays out the playboy piece of that vampire real well. But he has to learn that, yes, yeah.
1: that's what I want to know when he shows up in Friday night, he's so reformed Mm -hmm. and he's already been doing this for a while. Like, I want to know what that happened. What, what turned him into that? Oh, that's good, man. That could be fun, right?
0: Yeah. That could be really good. Yeah. I love it. Good choice. Yeah,
1: Excellent. This has been a lot of fun talking about Annabelle creation. Check it out. It's on HBO max right now. Uh, Check it out. If you, if you want, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) What does Terrence Fletcher say? Save your receipts, your travel receipts. Or not? I don't. I don't, get, not, I don't, I don't give care. a shit. <laughs> That's great. Right. Uh, but next week we're going to continue on the Conjuring Two. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fun because you and I saw this movie together. I've seen it a few times since. It's always been pretty effective for me because Valak the Nun is awesome, so effective mm-hmm. in there. But now with <laughs> everything we're bringing, all this baggage we're bringing into it now, we got to see if it plays for us. And then the story, the the. Enfield uh, Poltergeist, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And let's see where we pick up with the the Warrens here. I'm really looking forward to talking about this one because history says they were not involved in this case at all. Movie says, oh, yeah, they did. Just about he sang Elvis to the kids. We'll talk about all of that next week, but this will be interesting in lead-up to part three, The Devil Made Me Do It. I don't know, Matt. Maybe we just need to buckle up and drink the rest of this bottle
0: because I don't know what's waiting for us. I don't think it's going to survive the cast. Mm. Yeah, um, Fingers crossed. Okay. I know when we left that film, we had a bit of a different take. You and I did mm-hmm. see if that has changed or what that looks like today, but, or next week. Yeah. It's going to be a good watch. I can't wait. James Wan again, James Wan again. Excellent. I got to get
1: going, Matt. I got a doll in the back. Let's go throw her in a well. We got to go find a well first, but let's get rid of that shit because we don't need this film happening to us.
0: If you throw her down the well, I'm going to make sure that pop gun with the ball and the, tethered cord is nowhere to be found because that's just going to give her a way to climb right out of that well we'll see you all next week have a good week everybody we'll see you in the dark
1: thank you for listening to rye smile films for more rye smile content go to patreon.com slash rye smile films for exclusive bonus episodes plus feature-length watch-along commentaries on your favorite movies and tv show recap episodes covering the best from the small screen For Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Annabelle Creation is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, Atomic Monster Productions, and The Saffron Company, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Did
0: you hear that? Yeah. What is it? Stay here. No, 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 no. No, It's okay. It's all right, sweetheart.